0: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you, sir. And here we are in five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on your basic Wednesday, the eighth day of July. And as we've reached the uh, midpoint in the week, hope you're having a good one. <coughs> pardon me so far. We'll try not to cough in your ear. It's It's not COVID, it's allergies. And I tell people a year ago at this time, if I coughed because of allergies, I got sympathy. Now today, (laughs) I just get stares. Anyway, we'll do our best not to cough in your ear as we welcome you into another edition of Lifeline. We're here Monday through Friday, of course, from 5 until 7 p.m., addressing issues that impact your life and your world. (laughs) Got a special guest we're going to meet in just a moment, but I want to clear the air Quite quickly, if I might, here at the top of the program, sort of set the record straight. And I would suppose that, um, suppose at a, at a level, um, these sorts of lessons ought not to be necessary amongst thinking adults, but sometimes even adults don't think. And there were some comments made on the program during my absence last week pertaining to face masks, somehow couching this as a constitutional issue and a violation of freedom and rights and things, and I thought, well, that's a weird way to deal with a health pandemic that's claimed 130,000 American lives, and I think we've just broken the um, three million mark in terms of the number of Americans that have been exposed to COVID-19, so I did a bit of research, looked at research done at John Hopkins Hospital University. And here's what I'll tell you in short order. There are five basic myths surrounding face masks that I want to debunk once and for all here, for every adult that's listening. First off, the myth that face masks cause carbon dioxide poisoning. Well, the truth of the matter is, medically, while masks might be uncomfortable, they are not airtight. They are designed to allow air in and out. Therefore, they can't hold carbon dioxide. Masks, even the N95 used by healthcare professionals that have smaller pores than their cotton counterparts, do not deplete oxygen levels. Pulmonologist. John Hopkins calls this myth illogical. In fact, they conducted a test and found no significant change in oxygen saturation between mask, no mask, and 95, cloth masks, etc. However, The doctors did conclude that likely what's happening here, if a person seems as if they're hyperventilating because they're not getting enough oxygen, that it's likely anxiety, but it's certainly not carbon monoxide. Second, the myth that people with respiratory issues shouldn't wear masks. There are no, repeat no, known reports that masks can cause asthma attacks. Again, Pulmonologists saying that people might be getting anxious about wearing a mask, but there's absolutely no medical evidence to support the claim that masks cause any sort of respiratory issues. Myth number three: face masks are useless if you're not sick with COVID-19. Now, while the coronavirus pandemic first hit the U.S., we were encouraged not to wear masks for one reason: they were in short supply. And they wanted to make sure that every mask that was out there was available to medical workers so that they would have enough equipment while fighting on the front lines. The reality is masks help prevent spreading of the virus to each other, especially for those who were asymptomatic. They also provide a layer of protection and discourage individuals from touching their mouths and noses as they're about their business and handling other things and surfaces and so forth. Myth number four, masks will compromise my immune system. The physicians at Johns Hopkins, calling this, quote, one of the most outlandish myths yet, suggest that somehow by Americans not exposing themselves to germs, it will weaken their immune system and lead to the next wave of coronavirus outbreaks once the states have fully opened again. All well, experts say the idea is incredibly dangerous and the exact opposite of how healthcare professionals are trying to contain the ongoing pandemic. So it doesn't compromise your immune system wearing one. But if you go out and you're exposed to COVID-19, it will compromise your immune system by not wearing one. Last and my final point, myth number five. Mask mandates infringe on constitutional rights, and stores can't make you wear them. Well, I am afraid that the Constitution, the Supreme Court, going back over 100 years, happen to disagree with you on that point, if you happen to be one of those that takes that position. People have attempted to get around these requirements of wearing masks by doling out fake cards and even flyers claiming that they have a physical or mental condition covered by the ADA. The cards, which perhaps you've seen, carry a red, white, and blue Eagle logo and are about the size of a business card, slightly larger, and state that wearing a face mask, quote, possesses a mental and or physical risk to the cardholder and warns that any business that does not comply will be reported to the Freedom to Breathe Agency, which is something that apparently is not at all a branch of the United States government, but something operated out of somebody's bedroom. (laughs) June 30th, the Department of Justice, that would be Bill Barr, released a statement about the fake mask exemptions, stating that the ADA does not provide, quote, a blanket exemption to people with disability from complying with legitimate safety requirements issued by authorities. And in fact, by the way, stores can absolutely refuse service to someone without a mask. Just the same as they can issue and enforce a policy that says no shoes, no shirt, no service. Now, a store refusing to service, say, a restaurant or a grocery store refusing service to someone who refuses to wear a mask is compelled to provide a reasonable accommodation, such as somebody who chooses not to wear a mask going into the grocery store can instead order their groceries online and pick them up at curbside service. But there is absolutely no teeth to any law that suggests that there is a violation for insisting that somebody wear a mask. Same likewise by, by the way, conceptually, regarding cigarette smoking. And the cigarette smoking, just like wearing a face mask, mask, by the way, is not put in place because it's trying to protect the person smoking any more than it's trying to necessarily protect the person who is wearing a mask, though it certainly has that function. And I say that because if there are those that choose to put their own life at risk, well, um, don't agree with you, but I guess you have the freedom to do that. What you don't have the freedom to do is to make up stories about the Constitution, try to wrap this in the flag and suggest that there's some law being broken here, by insisting that you wear a face mask any more than it's unconstitutional for a state government, a city, or a restaurant to say that you may not smoke inside of a restaurant. Now, if you're a lifetime smoker, telling you not to smoke during lunch is not going to stop you from getting lung cancer, but it is designed to protect the lives and the health of other people eating at said restaurant. And so, if somehow you have gotten caught up in the whirlwind that suggests that there is some constitutional right, there's some law that you have, it's a violation of your First Amendment rights, freedom of speech. I mean, I some of the excuses that I've heard are so far-fetched and so devoid of any notion of sanity or reality, it's laughable. But be mindful that a 1905 Supreme Court decision on the very issue of wearing face masks during a smallpox epidemic in America upholds the fact that, yes, indeed, the government authorities, if doing so, in order to protect the health and welfare of its citizens, may cause you to wear a mask in public, and a store may legally refuse to serve you if you refuse to wear a mask inside of Stead store. I hope that settles this issue. All right, let's take a time out. We're going to meet our guest. We're going to talk about a shocking rant caught on video once again. You ever notice how the invention of the video camera is creating so much trouble for racists? Well, created trouble for another one. We'll tell you more about that and dive deeper into this issue of where America is at today in the racial divide. And how uniquely and specifically the church can be doing something to change all that. Dr. Jerry Buckner joins us next, right after we get you an update on traffic. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center here at 516 for the latest. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The advent of the uh, video camera that we have strapped at our sides in our cell phones uh, has not only become a huge convenience when you want to snap photos at the last minute, you don't have a camera handy, has also become a wonderful tool, apparently in recent years, for outing racism in America today, as it did over the 4th of July holiday in Carmel Valley. Where there, a restaurant has been flooded with praise following a viral video in which a server ordered a customer to leave after he made Multiple, horrific, unrepeatable on the radio, racist comments, unprovoked, toward a group of Asians, an Asian family, they're celebrating a birthday. So here's what happened. It occurred Saturday when a family dining at Lucia restaurant in Monterey sang happy birthday and took family photographs. We've all done that, Right. Well, the man apparently didn't like the fact that the people at the table across from him were enjoying themselves and told the family to go back to wherever expletive-deleted Asian country you're from. And it just got worse from there. The man has been identified as the CEO of Solid 8, a uh, cloud computing company based in San Francisco, Michael Lofthouse. Mr. Lofthouse, having been caught, of course issued the obligatory, well-crafted by the Promotions Department, apology, stating, quote, "'My behavior in the video was appalling. "'This was clearly a moment where I lost control "'and made some incredibly hurtful and divisive comments. "'I would like to deeply apologize to the Chan family. "'I can only imagine the stress and pain that they feel. "'I was taught to respect people of all races,' And I will take the time to reflect on my actions and work to better understand the inequality that so many of those around me face every day. Close quote. Now, at least you think this is just another angry white American. Uh, he's actually himself an immigrant to this country from Great Britain. Some of his further comments I can't repeat on the radio without embarrassing you and running afoul of the FCC. We'll leave it at that, but to say that ironically, even with the advent of video, that has gotten so many individuals out there in trouble, so many police in trouble for racist acts, racist behavior, racist words. Oddly, some people, for some reason, just can't control it. It's almost as if their hatred toward others that are different than they is something that they just seemingly cannot control. Some insights were joined now by a very dear friend for many, many years. You know him as a familiar voice on KFAX, as the host of Contending for the Faith, heard Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. He is also the pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship, and always a privilege and honor to have Dr. Jerry Buckner join us on the program. And Dr. Buckner, welcome.
1: Brother Craig, it's always an honor and a blessing to be with you on the program. We go way, way back. So it's always a privilege to hook up with you again.
0: Now now careful when you use don't use too many way way backs because we don't want <laughs> listeners to think we're that old. <laughs> <laughs> We're just leaving it one one way back, although truth might be told maybe it's way, 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 way back. <laughs> that's right. Well, when
1: they well, see us, they say that, uh, no, you don't go way, way back. You're just, just way.
0: <laughs> that's way. it. That's it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, again, great to have you with us, and I appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule to, to address this growing topic. We, we spoke early on in the... Um, the news cycle, so to speak, in the tragic killing of George floyd, and um, America certainly has been going through an enormous time of reevaluation right now, um, and I find it interesting that, as much as we've seen certain people to come to the painful realization of their either active or passive uh, participation in racism in America and have ultimately come to realize it's something that they must repent of and and address to other cases like the one that I cite here recently in in Monterey, where uh, apparently in spite of all the public dialogue, everything that you see going on in the news, the pressure cooker of uh, black Americans who, uh, I've got to believe, as I was told by one dear friend a couple of days ago, have just reached the point where, quote, enough is enough. And yet, in spite of that, there are some people that seem to just want to hang on to their racist views and racist attitudes for dear life. Help us understand here, you you bring a unique experience to this, um, I, I think not only from your background as a pastor, so you kind of understand the, the societal and social side of it, as an African-American yourself, you have history with this, as well as being a doctor, and working in the, the field of religious studies, um, where you can bring some spiritual perspective to all of this. So I guess my first question is, as we try to understand sort of the, the roots of, of racism, uh, I- is this a social problem? Is this an institutional problem? Is this a spiritual problem? Is it all of the above?
1: Well, I would say, Craig, that's a good question. It all begins with a spiritual problem. Uh, The world today is in a delusional state. And the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, because they rejected the truth that God will send them strong delusions that they would believe a lie than the truth. So there's people all around us from all different races and ethnicities who... Uh, believe uh, to be racist is a good thing, and then there's others who are trying to solve the problems of racism, and then there's others who are isolating when it comes to the issue of racism and being quiet and saying nothing. Uh, And so it is a, a spiritual problem, but it's deeper than even using the word spiritual, It goes back to a three-letter word, and that is S-I-N, sin, and that is the root problem. And we have people all around us today from the the White House to the Ranch House and those who have no house and even the church house that is trying to put a Band-Aid over uh, the problems of racism and lawlessness, and it's not solving the problems. Until we get to the root, we cannot bear fruit. I'm writing an article on this right now for the Bakersfield, California, and I told them I want to deal with the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is sin, and sin always has a way of alienating us from God and also our fellow man. And if we want to really do something, some damage to the problems that we're facing today— We have to come to a Savior who is the answer for all the sins that uh, mankind has committed, Uh, and because the Bible is not a book that is into race. The only race that it's involved with is the human race and the race of faith. The Bible emphasizes grace over faith. It emphasizes Sin over skin, it emphasizes biblical revelation over physical pigmentation. And if we continue in our society to focus on the symptoms and not deal with the root, we're never going to solve the problem. It's like going to uh, the dentist, and you can have a cavity, and you can get that fixed, but until you get down to the root of the issue, you're never going to solve the problem. And that's true with all of the ills and the lawlessness, the vandalism, the racism, and all the other things that's going on, we have an answer, Craig, and that's Jesus. And if people don't get back to him, people are going to not only lose their mind, but they're going to to hear things like you just shared, and other things that's going to divide the nation and keep the nation divided.
0: I've got a question I want to ask you pertaining to... Black Lives Matter, but I'm going to hold it until after the break because I fear... I fear once we get started, there'll be no taking of breaks. So let's pause on that point. Dr. Jerry Buckner is with us today, senior pastor at Tiburon Christian Fellowship, host of Contending for the Faith, been here on KFAX Radio for more than 20 years now. You can catch his program every Saturday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion with Dr. Jerry Buckner after we get you a little discussion on traffic. And here at 5.30, the latest from the KFAX. FAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Our honor today to have Dr. Jerry Buckner join us. He, of course, senior pastor at Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And the host of Contending for the Faith, a broadcast ministry heard Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. Dr. Buckner, you might have heard the news uh, that over the weekend, two residents of the city of Martinez here in the Bay Area now facing multiple charges after defacing a Black Lives Matter mural in front of the city's courthouse. Charges are now being brought by the Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office against 42-year-old Nicole Anderson and 53-year-old David Nelson, including three misdemeanor counts, including one of a hate crime. The pair were witnessed on Saturday, July 4th, using a black um, roller you'd paint the house with to cover up the mural which had been permitted by the city. What is it about the sense of wanting, we've heard this phrase cancel culture lately. What is it about the sense of wanting to cancel the phrase black lives matter? And when you hear the rejoinder that we're often hearing crop up, that seems to be, a, at least on the surface, an attempt by some to be, a I don't know, an equalizer. When they retort with somebody says black lives matter, they retort with, well, all lives matter, which certainly at the core is a truism. But, but is a statement like that in your mind and your experience an attempt to try and and bring about a great equalizer and, and, and issue a truism, or is it an attempt perhaps in another fashion to try and take something away
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, again we we can never find the answers to our problems in the world. all it does is escalates the problems uh, when we get into uh, black lives matter, white lives matter, yellow-brown lives matter, because what it's going to do is generate a lot of heat and virtually no light. I think the greatest thing that we can do is say Jesus matters, amen, and we need to say uh, the Christian life matters, because when we live that Christian life, uh, we're going to love uh, not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're going to love our enemies. And love is the thing that will cause us and the police department and those who are on the force that are racist to uh, uh, get rid of racism. The way we're going to get rid of racism and coloring this and coloring that is for people to really have a relationship with Jesus and to surrender their lives to him and you know when, I, when we talk about black lives matter uh you know uh the co-founder one of the co-founders said that uh she was marxist and you know marxism is uh the opposite of christianity and uh and you know when we also talk about black lives matters uh it's uh a focus that's primarily dealing with the issues that are facing uh, police brutality from a white officer. Now, uh, the if we were really involved with Black Lives Matter, we wouldn't limit it ourselves to just the brutality of a white officer upon a black person. We would be looking at the bigger issues. So the bigger issues today in the black community, and I'm speaking of that being a black professional and coming out of a, a, a black family, is the number one problem. Let me share a few things here. The number one problem uh, in the black family is the absentee of black fathers. Missing for many African-American families, there is a number of numbers up to about 70% of children growing up without father figures in the home. And then, uh, secondly, 75% of all children in the black family are born out of uh, wedlock. And they don't have a father. And thirdly, uh, black kids or a, a child, not just a black child raised without a, a dad, is five times more likely to be poor and commit serious of crimes. And number four, and, uh, and along with this, without a father, nine times more likely to drop out of school. And so, and then we see also, uh, 20 times more likely to end up in jail, and on and on. And then you talk about the big issue of black-on-black crime. And you say to yourself, where is Black Lives Matter when it comes to the genocide of black-on-black crime? And when you talk about the genocide of 20 million black babies murdered since 1973, and when you talk about the genocide, again, of black-on-black crime, uh, and then we hear, we've been hearing recently, Craig, uh, which is sad to say, in Chicago, Atlanta, Seattle, and San Francisco, and uh, many other places, these children, uh, black children being killed by black-on-black crime and bullets being shot all over the place. And then when you talk about the issue of uh the uh, chief of police there in St. Louis, uh, Chief Dorn, who was shot down brutally. And then one of my friends that was a, a federal officer uh, in Oakland uh, was guarding the federal office, and he was gunned down. Uh, and you say to yourself, where are the Black Lives Matter? Uh, when we start to be involved with uh, Black Lives with... Uh, an agenda and a motive behind it, and you say to yourself, also, where is when these bigger issues happen, where is the Al Sharpton, and where are the other leaders, and where are even the church leaders? Uh, We have to say to ourselves, we have a serious problem uh, when we are not addressing uh, these issues that is on a bigger scale. So we narrow it down to saying, uh, black Lives Only Matter When a Police it Kills a Black, I mean, that's a small percentage in relationship to all the stats that I just gave you. So uh, we uh, have to look at this thing on a deeper level, and the only way we're going to solve the problems of our world today is to solve it uh, in uh, Jesus Christ.
0: Are you there, Craig? Yep, sorry about that. Helps if I turn the microphone on. Yeah, <laughs> now, you've brought up a number done. of issues here that are critical that I think we, we sort of um, unpack based on layers of complexity. Um, first off, to, to part of the point that you made pertaining to Black Lives Matter as an organization Uh, That it's absolutely true, Uh, many of the principles in terms of the organization, Black Lives Matter, do seem to spin on highly socialist, Marxist ideas, and so I think we need to be careful in terms of delineation between a movement as an organization versus a principle in terms of how those outside of the black community treat our fellow citizens so that that 's one point the The other point is you you touched on a number of internal factors and forces that are challenging for the black community in America today and and these these matters of you know absentee um, how households with absentee fathers and things of that sort. I mean, it, it, it's an issue, though I think, truth be told, we need to recognize it's an issue across the board. This is negatively impacting communities of all colors, to be sure. And a lot of it has to do with the devaluation of the family um, to the greatest degree, <coughs> pardon me, within American society today. But under the, the other issue here is that there are things inside of the black community that the black community is going to have to do for itself to address these issues as sort of a matter of uh, internal housekeeping, so to speak. But then, too, are there not, Dr. Buckner, external forces and factors that are in a sense contributory to all of this? I mean, in other words, uh, if if you have been consistently put down over centuries and told you're you're not of equal worth, you're not of equal value, uh, to the rest of us, there, there's something that is defective you, of you, either in terms of of um, uh, mental capacity, or intellectual capacity, or moral capacity. Thanks to this sort, I suppose, at a certain level, why would we be surprised when people, having been exposed to that kind of n- nonsensical, nonstop mantra over decades and decades and centuries, in this case that to a great degree you sort of begin to believe the lie and all of a sudden find yourself participatory in it. So speak, if you would, to that issue of some of the external forces and factors. For example, I I was appalled to find out the shocking number of statues that we have in this country dedicated singularly to people that were leaders in the Confederacy. Now, These are statues that have been erected to people who gave, in some cases, of their lives to fight to tear the country apart in an effort to try and secure their right to own people. And so I I think just in terms of a day of reckoning with our own history, we need to recognize (coughs) the Confederacy is on the losing side, not the winning side— And what they stood for is not anything that's emboldened in the principles and ideals of the Constitution or the Bible, for that matter.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's uh, interesting you bring up all of that because, uh, again, uh, you know, I believe that uh, when we talk about Black Lives Matter uh, and we also have to include something that's manipulating Uh, The Black Lives Matter and uh, and a lot of the other movements is uh, Tifa and uh, the boogaloo that was involved with these are extremist uh, terrorist groups that get in the mix of all of this uh, craziness and rioting. And they are the ones that brings over the bricks and brings over the, uh, you know, clubs and all the other stuff. But I think you have another issue, too uh with uh, Craig, uh white guilt. Uh this is a, a a sad day in which we're living in uh where the black lives matter and uh many other movements are creating this white guilt upon the whites and let me kind of give an example. Uh recently and this is uh, sad to hear uh that uh the Uh, Leader of the Chick-fil-A, Dan Daniel Cathy, uh, he was out in the public, uh, literally down on his knees, uh, shining the shoes of black people. And he says, this is what we need to do. This is the leader of Chick-fil-A. And then you had some uh, white people. Black, not, not black, but white people that were a woman and a man and many other whites came along and they were actually kissing the boots of the black Hebrew Israelites, <laughs> you know. And this is all goes back to that white guilt. And they parade on that white guilt and uh, it uh, many whites fall victim of it. And even many of us blacks fall victim of it, and we start to feel guilty about certain things, and we need to remember that if we fall into this spirit of victimization and let systems that is non-Christian feed into our pain and create a sense of guilt, and then they profit off of it, because A lot of these people will not be involved with other things going on unless there's a profiteering going on. So this is uh, what is happening today, Craig, is this guilt thing upon whites and the guilt thing upon black, too, and getting them to feed into this victimization. And we have to remember that Jesus has made us free. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I think it was uh, uh, Shelby Steele of the Hoover Institute. He said, you know what? We are free. Start to live in that freedom. And we are a great people. Even though we went through four centuries of this, we are a great people. When I think about my own life. You know, I came up with a a single-parent mother, and didn't she work doing domestic work? But she stilled in us Jesus, and she said, you can do whatever you want to do. And we went for it. And look at this. I've achieved a doctorate degree. We are free people. That's what Martin Luther King said. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And all the rioting and all the violence, Martin Luther King would turn over in his grave if he literally saw the stuff that was going on, because he was all about nonviolence. Jesus was about that. And so we have a world today that's going in the opposite way of Jesus, and this will bring the judgment of God. If we don't repent and turn back to God, we will experience a judgment upon us like we've never experienced before.
0: We're visiting today with Dr. Jerry Buckner. He, of course, is the host of Contending for the Faith. Catch his program every Saturday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. We'll take a brief time out now, get you updated on some traffic from the KFAX Traffic Center at 550.